Angelica, when you go out drinking, and I know you are a lush, what do you, uh, what are your go-tos? I love a cocktail. Um, my go-to right now is just a dirty martini. You like the salty, briny? I like savory drinks. I like a, just a regular straight dry martini too, but I've been getting a lot of dirty martinis. Um, my, I, I could go for a good Cosmo, like tart. I don't like a lot of really sweet drinks. And, and that is very different from my cocktail choices like 20 years ago. I was the worst. Like sweet oh. sugary drinks? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's pretty, I think it's pretty typical when you're young and, and you like the sugary stuff. I used to, <laughs> Bill makes fun of me because in the late nineties, uh, I used to order Stoli raspberry and Sprite. <laughs> You remember when the flavored vodka came out, right? Like there weren't yeah. that many good spirits back then. I'm sorry, but like top shelf stuff was shit back then. And uh, I just like the sugar and it is so disgusting. You couldn't pay me to drink one of those now. What about you? Uh, well, you know, I've always been a beer person. I enjoy beer quite a bit, but I don't drink it nearly as much as I used to. It just yeah. makes me feel bloated and gross. Yeah. And then like, the IPAs I enjoy, but they're so like uh, alcoholic. I get two and I kind of just want to go to sleep. So I've actually switched to just straight a nice whiskey with a little bit of ice and just sip it slow. Yeah, I, I like scotches. I always thought I hated scotch because when I was younger, I had a cheap scotch and B like really peaty lowland scotch. And I just don't like how that tastes very much. Even now, you don't like peaty scotch. No. And I like smoky no. things. So it's kind of a weird yeah. thing. But so I, I, I we went to Scotland a few years ago and I tried like Highland scotches. Yes. I like those a million times better. They're super clean and you don't have like the tannin or the barrel sort of flavor you get from bourbons that I don't like quite as much. Hmm. So just a little bit of that on ice is good. And if I'm going to drink a cocktail cocktail, it's usually some sort of whiskey based thing. Although I do like margaritas, which is something we're going to get into here in a little bit with our guest. Um, and it sounds like as a person who likes tart things, you probably like margaritas too. I do, but here's the thing. And I, I, I wish I were different, but I don't like tequila. Yeah. And I've had really good tequila that I've sipped and I've liked it. But most of the time when you get a margarita, it's not great tequila. Um, I like all the ingredients of a margarita, but if it has a strong crap tequila taste, then I just can't, I can't finish it. Yeah. But isn't that true of like most drinks, you know, yeah, bad it's true. You know, especially drinks. vacation drinks. Like I don't want a rum drink usually. And I'm sure there are fantastic rum and tequila drinks everywhere in Portland. I'm just, I need to branch out and uh, hopefully I can learn something today. Yeah, let's hope so. One more quick question. Have you ever been blackout drunk? You had to have been. Of course. You're from Boston. Last week. No, uh, I've been blackout drunk. Yes, a couple of times. Once I almost had, I thought I almost had to have my stomach pumped, but I didn't die that night. What about you? There are two moments that I... I don't remember them exactly because I was blackout drunk, but one was we, Marissa and I thought we were really smart and we snuck, we did beer, we did whiskey with beer backs at a bar and then we snuck in, snuck beer into the Cinemagic's theater and we watched a movie and I don't remember what it was because I was, and then we walked home and I, we just realized at some point, like, how did we get here? We had no idea how we got there. You know, we were almost home. And then the other time is when I was 19 and, you know, pre- legal drinking we we took the ferry up to uh victoria british columbia because it's 19 in canada 
And my buddy and I went to this bar and they had, it was a $2 special. Remind you, this is the late nineties, but it was a $2 right. special shot of cheap tequila and a Corona for two bucks. And I had $12, you know what I mean? And so we walked back along the Marina and he kept climbing on boats. And I remembered all this later, you know, and I, I remembered it because I was taking pictures the entire time with my little disposable camera. And I'm like, I'm, I'm documenting his crimes. Essentially he's climbing on boats and like trying to break into boats. And I'm like, so those are the two times that stand out to me. And no lingering feelings about the specific alcohol that got you that drunk, because I think that might be where my tequila thing comes from, because the worst night I ever had with alcohol was just doing Cuervo shots all night. And it was supposed to be, I'll meet you out for one drink because I have to go to bed and do the morning show <laughs> 27 years ago. And it's 1.30 in the morning and I am so like blackout drunk at someone's house in their bathroom. I don't even know the person. It's a friend of a friend. And we ended up at a friend's house and I had to go home, take cold showers, sober up, go anchor a morning show. My head hurts so bad. Pretty sure I was still buzzed on the air. I got called to the general manager's office, thought I was going to get fired. And he told me it was the best show he's ever seen. And he wants to see it every day. So there you go. <laughs> Welcome to The Film Swap, the podcast where we take a look at the films we've let slip through the cracks or purposely shoved into the cracks for whatever reason. I'm Nick Bull. I'm Star. Short for Starbra. Assume yours is Barbara. Nope, just Barb. Plain old Barb. I want to thank Barb and Star for hosting tonight's Talking Club and for making their hot dog soup. I like the salt. I like the hot dog. It's not as runny as it usually is. Ah, what is she throwing? I hope she gives me bigger teeth. Love big teeth. She loves big teeth. Even if it's just two eyes on a bunch of teeth. It would be so nice. Look, my new phone case. <laughs> I love it. It's like I'm listening to the ocean. Wait, we don't have cell phones. I know I'm going to take it home and glue it to our landline. I'm Barb, and this is Star. Roll number again, please, sir. 611. 611? Oh, my... Barb. Oh, my gosh, he's 611. 611? We're in 124. <gasps> Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar is a 2021 American comedy film directed by Josh Greenbaum from a screenplay by Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, who also star. It was originally scheduled for a 2020 release, but because of COVID, it kind of got buried, which stinks because it's a cool, funny movie, I think. Although we'll see what Angelic and our guest Brad here think. Uh, Middle-aged best friends Barb and Star leave their home of Soft Rock, Nebraska, which is a great name, for the first time to go on vacation to Vista Del Mar in Florida. Uh, they cut loose. They meet a man. They begin a love triangle with this man turns out he is a secret agent representing an evil woman also played by Kristen Wiig, who is trying to destroy Vista Del Mar because of the bad experience she had there as a child, love, sex, hilarity ensue. Uh, our guest this week is Brad Stevens, who has so many titles. He is a multi hyphenate. I'm going to let him introduce himself because it's just <laughs> good for me to try. Hi, yeah. Uh, so Bradley Thomas Stevens. Uh, I'm the owner of Epic Restaur Restaurant Group, uh, which uh, our first project is Serious BDX here in Northeast Portland. 
Um, I am on the National Board of Directors for the United States Bartenders Guild and the founder of uh, Margarita Week, which is happening in uh, Portland, Seattle, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh right now. So, and and you're a talented actor who just has a movie that's coming out too. So it's like, uh, there's a lot. You have a lot of stuff. I only have like two things. So thanks for being You know, here. I keep saying... I keep saying that I'm retired from acting and uh, like once every two years, somebody uh, says, hey, you want to come be in this thing? And I keep saying yes. <laughs> yeah, you do so much. We need like three hours for this podcast. So we're going to try and not overwhelm you with a million questions. That's OK. And the movie, you know, uh, I've only seen once and I was definitely uh, we go brown out drunk. <laughs> <laughs> So this will be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I and I thought of you when we were talking about who to bring on for this this podcast because there's a great scene in the movie where they have this giant scorpion, this bowl, this blue drink where they all share, and it kind of launches the whole sexual relationship and romantic relationship they have. And so it made me think of like you know who would be a fun guest, and I thought of you. So uh, you know you're, you're an expert on drinks and entertainment and hospitality and anyway let's start i i want to talk about margarita week first because it's such a cool thing it's not just like how great margaritas are and they are uh, but it also helps people could you kind of talk about what margarita week is and what it you know does yeah i mean so we created margarita week uh in 2020 um uh, or at least the idea of it and um in early 2021 while you know the restaurants were coming back together and reopening and you know it was like depending on where you lived it was like patio outside seating only or maybe inside seating with 25 percent capacity and then they're closed and then they're open again and the rules kept changing it was confusing it was difficult and I, I saw a lot of small businesses local restaurants and bars really struggling to financially survive uh even with reopening um and and so I thought, why not put together this event that um, allows uh, us, the drinkers, uh, to come back together and celebrate together, having having a, a nice cocktail on a patio somewhere when the sun is finally starting to come out and uh, things are starting to show life again. Um, and and so it was it was a it was a big success. But you know, um, it, we we started out with I think thirteen restaurants and bars here in Portland. Um, and it was complicated because uh, the, the rules kept changing. Two of the accounts didn't have patios when they changed it to outdoor seating only, all that stuff. But we still managed to raise almost $10,000 for our nonprofit. Wow. Uh, that year, it was uh, Team Brownsville the first year. And that's a, a wonderful group down in Texas uh, that help uh, people that are legally trying to seek asylum into the United States from our southern border um, with wonderful things. And most people they help, by the way, are youth because uh, almost everybody who's making that hike has to be healthy enough to, to make that travel. Um, and, and so that was, that was amazing. And, and immediately everybody's like, okay, we have to do this every year from now on. Um, and you know, here I am, I'm still doing it and I'm still not getting paid. Nobody gets paid. Um, it's all volunteer run. And, uh, this is the, the cool thing about it is it, we have, uh, six different brand partners and this never happens anywhere. Brands always want to work on their own and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, they want to do some good work and then, uh, presented to the world because that's part of being in a business. Um, but this is such a big thing that they've all come together. Um, so we've got El Jimador Tequila, Casadores, Patron, uh, Illegal Mezcal, Furadura, and Grand Marnier. Um, and every single one of them um, have come together to help us build what we're doing now is in four cities across America. This is us testing the idea of making it a full-on national thing. Um, 
$2 of every margarita sold at all of the restaurants, 27 restaurants here in Portland and um, over 60 in other cities. Um, $2 of every single margarita sold this week is going to go to a nonprofit in Guatemala and we're going to build a school. Um, and El, El Patihismo is their name. They're wonderful. This is our second year working with them. Um, but these these brand partners are actually going to match the donation. So it's actually $4. Every time you drink a margarita, $4 goes to building wow. a school in Guatemala. So it's unbelievable. It's uh, a passion project for sure. Uh, I, I've been getting up at 3 a.m. every day to do interviews on TV uh, at 5 a.m. live. <laughs> yeah, I saw <laughs> My on, sleep schedule is completely messed up. <laughs> I saw you on Coin and KGW and yeah. That's yeah, I'm good. doing Coin again on Friday uh, with, uh, if you guys are familiar, kind of a, a local celebrity in Portland is uh, Ricky uh, uh, from Palomar. Oh, Ricky Bella? Um, not Ricky Bella, no, um, Gomez. And, and we're going to be actually live in his restaurant doing a location shoot. So that'll oh, be fun. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So Nick, we need to go on a, a, like a margarita, like mm-hmm. crawl. Yeah, I've and, already I've already identified my bar. I'm going to Holy Ghost, which is the one closest to my house. And that place is great. Yeah, they have great margaritas. They, I've had them before. They, so. they famously do those Ramos fizzes, which if anybody knows what Ramos fizz is, uh, historically it takes like 20 minutes to make one because you have to shake it so much that the foam gets so dense it actually floats above the glass. So they retrofitted uh, paint shaking machines to hold cocktail shakers instead of paint cans. Oh, and wow. so they just set it in there and let it shake away. Uh, but they put little faces and hats on them, so they like look like little robots. And I, they, I think one of them's named Shake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've we've ordered that before because, like I said, that's the closest yeah. one to our house. It's fun. It's, it's fun. So, so we're, yeah, well, go ahead, Angela. Brad, is it crazy right now this year? Because I feel like this is this is this spring, this summer, we're out of the pandemic. I mean, everyone is out. Yeah, is yeah. It just I mean, nuts? even all the. All the government and medical officials have said, you know, like, you know, COVID doesn't didn't stop existing, but the pandemic's over. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this feels like the coming out party. Like we've been faking it for two years, yeah. you know, as a, as a society, we've been faking it because we like need soft mental launch health. for you guys. Now this is the real deal. Yeah. I've got a small restaurant here. Sorry, SPDX. Uh, we have 13 tables inside and most of them are two tops, right? Tables for two people. Mm-hmm. So if you have three or four people, I'm putting two tables together. It's a tiny restaurant. Um, but my patio doubles my size. And the second the sun comes out, I don't care if it's a Tuesday or if it's a Friday night, that patio is full as long as the sun's out. And that's, that's telling me something is that we're all ready. Every single one of us is ready to not just go back to like whatever normal means, you know, we keep saying that uh, for the last three years, but we're, we're ready to have that feeling of freedom again. And, uh, you know, I think most of us that the number one way to celebrate that is, 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 doing stuff as a community and whether that's taking a hike or a trip or something like that, oftentimes it's going to be having dinner and cocktails with the people that you care about. Yeah. Why not do it and then help build a school in the end? Fantastic. That's a a great deal. I keep telling people, I like every time somebody goes like, uh, you know, like, you know, pizza week, whatever, like, you know, kind of stuff. uh, I said, well, you know, like if if you're going to go, you know, celebrate these, like, you know, whatever weeks um, that's a lot of fun just because you're maybe obsessed with that type of food or that type of thing. Um, the, the, the big difference here is, um, most people, you know, uh, in their like twenties and thirties, they're probably going to meet a friend for a drink this week anyways. So if you only have one drink this week, why not just have a margarita, you know? And I'll tell you, Angelica, you were saying that tequila is not your thing. 
Um, and, and, and that's completely fair. We all have different palates, but don't blame the tequila. Um, unless it literally is a flavor thing. It's a company or a group, a government body called the TTB that you need to worry about. Uh, they are, sorry if there's background noise. That's fine. We'll keep going. Okay. Uh, the TTB is the governing body of the United States that tells us what the rules are for spirits. And for some reason, tequila and rum is another big one, have rules that are different than they have for like bourbon and, and cassasha and champagne and uh, mm. cognac and all those things that we, we, we have high regulated respect for. So you can have a bottle of tequila that's 100% agave. We all know that term these days. We didn't used to back in the Corvo Gold days, right? They say 100% agave on it. But it doesn't tell you is that maybe there's glycerin in it. Maybe there's caramel added to it. Maybe there's these other approved additives that Mexico allows. And there's actually a big conversation in Mexico about, uh, you know, what they want to do with that. And none of these additives, um, first off, none of these additives are bad things. But if you don't know they're in there, if you don't know they're in there, they may affect your body in a different way. And so I always say is um, there's a a great uh, website called tequilamatchmaker.com. Um, and you can actually look up um, virtually every tequila that's sold. There's a, a four-digit number called a nom on the battle, bottle of tequila. You can look it up in this. It'll tell you so much about the bottle. But they have a program there called Additive Free. And it's every brand that has gone through the process to prove that they have zero additives in it. And so you can scroll down there and find your favorite brands of tequila that are additive free and feel a little bit better about like how you're going to feel tomorrow after drinking it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, it's a really cool thing that hopefully will trend and the TTB will be forced to listen in the future about that. Yeah, that's good. I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know. And, and I it's, have it's one a, more. Oh, go ahead. Well, as you say, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's big business, you know, alcohol. Um, just like any other industry, you've got lobbies and you got these things, but you also have a lot of amazing people making these bottles. Um, and, and, and so they just have to follow laws. Right? So don't be mad at the people making it. Be mad at uh, uh, the fact that you, just like when you buy food, you know, lots of, lots of food you eat, you don't know what's in it, you know? Yeah. Um, so mar- margarita in its, in its essence is a very simple drink. But yeah. what makes a really good margarita? Because margarita week, you're going to try all kinds of different margaritas that are fancy, different, made different mm-hmm. ways. But what's, what's, what are the basics? What do you got to get right to have a good margarita? Well, I mean, the first thing you want to do is have a good quality tequila. It doesn't have to be the most expensive tequila either. And, you know, like most of us, we, we, we drink the brands that we've been told about, right? So you've got your celebrity tequilas because they have massive advertising, right? And you have uh, the ones that have been around forever. Like Patron is a great brand. They've been one of our partners the whole time. You know, maybe that's not your favorite tequila. Maybe it is. Um, but you have to start with is a good quality tequila, period. Uh, and then for, for my beliefs and for a lot of bartenders beliefs, fresh squeeze lime juice. So fresh citrus, good tequila, everything else you can play around with. You're going to need a sweetener. You know, um, some people believe that, uh, agave nectar is the best sweetener to use, um, because it enhances what the tequila is made from anyways, by adding more agave flavor to the margarita. Some people believe, a, a, a white sugar syrup, a simple syrup is better because, uh, it affects the flavor overall of everything else less, right? Hmm. Um, you can play with the salts and sugars, you know, like having uh, Mexican tahini on the rim instead of salt is really fun. Um, you know, uh, 
my my old uh, college dive bar Suki's is a part of Margarita Week this year. And that's one thing I love is it's not just the really elevated cocktail programs. It's every type of bar in the world is a part of this because we're every type of drinker. And so this really cool hole in the wall karaoke bar in Southwest Portland's part of it. And they're a Korean family owned uh, restaurant and bar. And so they have a margarita that uses a Korean peach soju uh, that they cook down into a sugar syrup as the sweetener. And so it's like, it's still lime juice and tequila, but their sweetener has got this really wonderful fruit flavor that comes from this Korean, you know, cultural spirit um, and, and uh, kind of gives you a little bit more fun and margarita should be fun. Uh, some people like the sweet cocktails. They want the sugar bombs. Some people want a more sour, right? Mm-hmm. That's me. Um, yeah, me that's too. Up to I your like palate. the sour. What's mm-hmm. your, what's your margarita of choice? Like your perfect margarita. What does that involve? Uh, I mean, that depends on my mood. Uh, you know, at, at my restaurant, we're, we're doing a, a Tommy's margarita slash Cadillac margarita as a slushy. And I love a slushy. They're just mm, fun. Yeah. And, and they're also good in service. Cause if I get 400 people that want a, a cocktail, I can just do this 400 <laughs> times. Go, here you go. This is delicious. It took me hours to make earlier, but now I get to just hand yep. it to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but um, so at Tommy's margarita, uh, if you go back in time, um, when there was this era, and you guys were talking about this with like the flavored vodkas on the wall. There was this time uh, kind of in the 70s through 90s era where uh, some people reference it, the dark ages of cocktailing. And and whether the reason they, they refer to that is because it was that time where nobody really knew how to do the making drinks part of bartending. There was a lot of people that are really good at the hospitality part. Some of the best, fastest mixologists, flair bartending with showmanship was going on, you know, doing all that jungling. Um, but all of the cocktails were made with as cheap as possible products. You know, you'd walk into a bar and there'd be 75 bottles on the wall and 65 of those 75 bottles would be different flavors of one brand of vodka, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, you know, uh, if you're a big flavor vodka fan, that's your favorite bar for sure. And, and I've got probably 30 vodkas in my bar and I drink all of them. Um, but, um, there was this time where in San Francisco, Tommy's Mexican restaurant, um, their, their, their head bar manager, who was the son of Tommy said, I'm sick and tired of this. And so he created when everybody else was using the lowest quality tequila and sour mix off the gun with all these all artificial flavors and chemicals and additives in it. He, he said, I'm making Tommy's margarita, which is what I talked about earlier. Good tequila, fresh lime juice, agave nectar, fresh agave. And um, he didn't use any triple sec, didn't use any orange liqueurs, didn't do any of that. He just wanted to spotlight Mexico's most famous drink. Um, and and so I, I, I talked to the Grand Marnier people and they said, we'd really love it if you did a, a Tommy's margarita. And I, I, I teased him. I said, well, if I do a Tommy's, how am I going to use Grand Marnier? Uh, but my second favorite uh, margarita of all time is the Cadillac margarita. Now, this is the margarita that Larry Kano, the fa- founder of El Torito restaurants uh, in the 50s, 60s and 70s, created the first elevated Mexican restaurant in all of the United States. Um, he invented the tableside guacamole. He gave us the sizzling fajitas. He gave us all of those things that we think of when we go to Mexican restaurants that make us excited. You know, things on yeah. fire. He was a showman. But he was also 
uh, really proud of giving people fresh quality ingredients. Now, eventually he sold the company and, and you look at, you know, the Chevys of the world, which still tastes good, but, uh, you know, very, had a very different idea of, of how to uh, create these experiences and what ingredients to use. Mm-hmm. So when the Cadillac Margarita elevated, it was a fresh margarita, you know, I think they used sales at 1800 fresh lime juice. Uh, but they they would use uh, for the sweetener Grand Marnier. And this was to show them like this is an elevated drink. Celebrities were drinking the Cadillac Margarita. Um, if you go into an El Torito or in Vancouver, they have a spinoff of El Torito, Husong and Larry's, Vancouver, Washington. Um, you're not going to get the same Cadillac Margarita that Larry Kano invented. Um, I don't know how they're making it. I'm not going to pretend to know. I just know that it's going to be different. Um, but the main factor is, is this wonderful cognac based orange liqueur. Mm. Um, and so what I'm doing it for us is I'm combining the two Tommy's margarita slushy. And then we're going to put that amazing Grand Marnier in a little cup that hangs off the rim of it. And you can choose to either sip it or pour it inside. I don't care which one you do. It's fantastic either way. Um, so good. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think. I love, dude, there's so many, like they're doing this like fresh fruit with watermelon and, and spices at G love. Um, Deadshot who was on TV with me the other day, uh, Adam Robinson is doing bringing back his once a year only sunspot margarita, which has a blood orange cordial and a almond orgeat syrup. And it's like one of my favorite margaritas in the world. But at the end of the day, my favorite thing is just a classic fresh ingredients, good quality tequila. So if, if, guy. if people want to go, obviously, I hope they do go support this and go get a margarita. Where can they find out more information? Uh, margaritaweek.us. I always tell people don't go to margaritaweek.com because the people who own it are jerks and they're trying to charge us 10 grand to buy it off of them. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I, I, I told them, I said, uh, they, they go $10,000. I go, I don't have any money. It's a nonprofit. They go eight thousand dollars. Still uh-huh. no money. <laughs> yeah, jerk. So we'll, we'll share the posts and everything. But Margarita Week. Dot US. US. Yeah. Uh, we do still have a movie to talk about. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Angelica, why had you not seen it so far? I don't know. I mean, it was twenty twenty one, and everything was insane. And I think it just it came right out on demand, right? It was supposed to be in theaters and everything mm-hmm. got screwed up because of COVID. I remember kind of hearing about it and I like I like all the people involved. I just didn't get around to it. I feel like it's not so bad to watch it two years later because there are so many movies that I get around to in five or 10 years. So I'm not sure. I just, it just kind of slipped through the cracks. Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it, this is an absolutely insane film. Um, it's so campy. But I think it works for the most part. Um, Honestly, it had me at guilty, which is right at the open. I mean, who doesn't love a Barbara Streisand, Andy Gibb duet? (laughs) I used to stare at that album cover when I was a kid for hours. And I just, I remember how perfect their asses looked in those white pants. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Um, But it still seemed relatively normal until Yo-Yo went into the underground lair. And that's where the fever dream begins and it's just it's insanity i mean i have a couple issues with it but overall i thought it was really good and entertaining oh i wanted to talk about yo-yo that kid is such an expressive face and he's just, 
he's one of the top two or three things in that movie to me just the way he plays that role is hilarious um okay so they, they go into the underground lair and Kristen Wiig is playing a dual role doing the Jerry Lewis thing I think she's incredible in this movie because I feel like I forget it's her playing the villain sometimes I mean she's heavily makeup and she got the gap in her teeth and I also feel weird to say this but I find her pretty attractive in that role like I don't know what it says about me she's like pale as a sheet she's psychotic she has no eyebrows but I mean if I were a single man you know I I get Jamie Dornan's thing you know he was in uh what's that uh the sex movie with uh, Dakota Johnson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. So he's obviously like, there's something about him. They cast him as liking, you know. Some yeah, he's stuff, freaking but... hot. <laughs> <laughs> and he's really good in this, too. He's funny. I, I thought he was like uh, one of the best things about the film. Yeah, I agree. Like he's so he's so uh, sensitive in this movie. Brad, you said you saw it when you were when you were drunk. What is your recollection of this film? It was those mosquitoes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't, I already have a thing with mosquitoes. Like, I, I don't like them. Like, people don't like spiders. I don't care about spiders. Mosquitoes, it's like there's so many diseases inside of them. I, they freak me the heck out. I went to Southeast Asia for a few months with my, uh, well, at the time, wife, ex-wife. And, uh, and it was weird. Is that she had like three bites and I had like 75 bites. So, like, they know I'm scared of them. <laughs> so i think uh having killer mosquitoes that's probably the scariest movie a concept that i can come up with i know <laughs> mosquitoes are the worst they do like certain people i think they're attracted to certain people and don't they kill more people than any anything on earth it's like the deadliest yeah. you know of, of any animal or insect or, or insect or anything i think there are scientists right now trying to and they and, and they've been doing this for a while trying to come up with a way to put a poison into a mosquito that will kill all mosquitoes on earth but somehow not have a negative impact on the rest of the world and i am kind of scared of that also because they're probably going to do it wrong and then it's just going to script it's our whole ecosystem gonna literally turn into the plot of this movie only it's going to work <laughs> out. yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah they, they 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 kill a lot of people yeah so the the best thing to me about this film, Nick, and, and I think you'll agree, because I think you like Bridesmaids, too. Mm -hmm. um, who doesn't? Uh, I just think Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, it's their real life friendship. I mean, they just they're so perfect together. I get I guess they came up with this idea while they were writing Bridesmaids. Uh, they were inspired by um, the tangents that they would uh, go off on uh, about uh, the, Lillian's mom. So Lillian was played by Maya Rudolph in Bridesmaids. And they would go off on these tangents about Lillian's mom and they had all these scenes with her. Then they realized like, we can't put these in. They all got cut because it had nothing to do with the plot of Bridesmaids. So then they had all this material for a great movie. Um, but I just think the two of them together, um, I mean, this is why they, they were nominated for best original screenplay for bridesmaids, right? They're just mm -hmm. so talented together. This is one of those magical friendships in Hollywood. Their chemistry is perfect. It's like Steve Martin and Martin short and Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, like they get together and they just give us these gifts. And this was yeah. one of them. It's not bridesmaids. It's not as good as bridesmaids in my opinion, but I think like this was crazy and it was good. Crazy. 
it, it reminded me a lot of Anchorman because in Anchorman, you just never know what bizarre thing is around the corner. The plot is almost completely unnecessary. Like it's not really about the plot. And it, I was thinking as I watched this movie, how unnecessary the villain and the mosquitoes plot really was. If the movie was just them on vacation, trying to like at a, a romantic triangle with um, the guy whose name, Jamie Dorman, Dornan's character. I think that would have been a fun movie too. You know what I mean? So yeah, I agree. I do love their back and forth. I love their like silly, like Midwesternisms as somebody who has some of that in me, like just, you yeah, know. I agree. I do think it sometimes veers into that SNL random skit territory where you, some of the stuff could have been cut out. Like it's a little long and it's like, let's mm -hmm. watch the uh, quality over quantity. Um, sort of like the family guy problem where they're just jamming in random references and one-liners for no reason. And it feels at times a little self-indulgent, like they're doing it for themselves. Um, like the Morgan Freeman crab thing. I was like, yeah, yeah they could have cut that. That's ridiculous. Uh, I wasn't really laughing at that part. The musical numbers, I know this is probably going to be unpopular. They don't do it for me, but I'm like allergic to shows and movies where they just randomly break into song for no reason. And it's not an actual musical. So I wasn't crazy about that. Um, I did, however, love the booby song by Richard Keys yeah. in the lounge. <laughs> that was fantastic. I was laughing like a 13 year old boy, but it was so great. And uh, if you're not into that kind of comedy, you're not going to like this film. And and isn't he basically singing a variation of songs about boobs the entire yeah, that the whole time? Yeah, yeah. he was uh, extremely funny. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on the on the musical part and the crab part. Um, I just think it needed a little bit of paring down, just to be, yeah, more streamlined, I suppose. Um, what did you think of? What did you think of? I guess the uh, I felt like the romantic thing really worked. The romantic subplot. I mean, did that work for you? Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous, but I thought it worked. Um, yeah, I do. What did you think, Brad? I mean, sure. I, <laughs> like you said, it's a disconnected story. This story really wasn't what was important. Like exactly, the plot a, doesn't really matter in this film, does it? <laughs> I feel like like they they kind of like they, they they pull a trick on you. There's a, a comedian that I like, um, and he has this this bit that he does where he tells two jokes that are kind of fake jokes, and they're not connected whatsoever. So he tells the first joke, and then he jumps into the second joke, and it's kind of jarring because there's no like bridge. And about a third of the way into the second joke, he says, "I'm really bad at transitions." And that's the actual joke <laughs> is that he's using two fake jokes to set up this one second thing. And I, I feel like this movie was just built on that concept of like, we don't really know what the point is, but this little thing that you're going to experience right here is important to us. In the bar scene, you have this situation where there's all this stuff going on and they get that scorpion bull you were talking about, which is always fun. Uh, and and the the whole scene isn't really important. It's a, the important part is that they're going to about ready to get drugged and be like super high and crazy, and and that's going to lead into the conversation in the next scene. And I think that's what the, the the whole movie is about, just like small situations. And then there's this one thing. This is the this is the part that's important. They're going to do drugs. Have you, you know? have, have you ever heard of a treasure at the bottom of a scorpion bowl? That seemed a little, I mean, this sounds stupid in a movie this far fetched, but I'm like, there's no way a bar gives them ecstasy or whatever it is at the bottom. No, 
No, no, no. That's that's uh, that is not a common practice. Uh, that, sometimes there could be like a treasure at the bottom, like a little like plastic figurine, like a little toy or something like that, you know. And a, a, there is an actual cocktail called a scorpion, but typically when you go into uh, let's say a tiki restaurant, um, the scorpion bowl is like a house specialty. And and what it is is you're just going to get a large shareable cocktail. And a lot of times the bartender either has a specific recipe they make for somebody every time that's their specialty, or they make up a new thing every time. Wow. And they've made so many thousands and thousands of these bowls that uh, they don't even have to think about it. They're just like, mm, yeah, this is good. Passion fruit and gin and rum. It's just and, like a punch. You know. They were so yeah, huge in the 70s and 80s in New England when I was growing up. I remember my mom yeah. and her friends talking about going to Asian restaurants, like a Chinese restaurant, getting a scorpion bowl. And yeah, yeah I feel I mean, like we're starting this... to see them more. It's coming back, you know, like the history of cocktails actually. Uh, I mean, that we don't have an exact answer because right? everybody was drunk at the time. Um, but it, it really it goes back to colonialism is, uh, you know, the, sp the spice trade routes and everything like that is um, we made punches and it was basically uh, citrus for scurvy, uh, botanicals for medicinal reasons that we thought worked. And sometimes they did, you know, um, and spice and sugar to make it taste better. Um, but you would go to a bar, you wouldn't order a, a cocktail at a bar. You, they would have a punch and it's just like this scorpion bowl. It was the specialty of the house and you would order one cup. You know, it's like that, that drink that nobody orders anymore called a Pim's cup. Yep. That was a guy named Pim made punch and it was, they were getting a cup of his punch. Uh, and that, that's what bars were. It wasn't until much later. And uh, especially like in like London and areas like that, that you started seeing this like cocktail revolution uh, happen where people were getting specialized drinks from a menu. The idea of a bar having a cocktail menu is unheard of until, you know, pretty modern times. Hmm. That's interesting. We used to go to the gypsy in Portland and get the, the big bowls. And back when yeah. I was young. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The gypsy was for young people to hang out at too. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Um, yeah, RIP. <laughs> what else do we need to talk about this movie? I mean, well, first off, would you guys recommend this movie to other people? Depends on the person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's, uh, you know, it's fun. I think that uh, Annie Mumolo is, is fantastic at physical comedy. I love that montage of her where she like lets loose and finally starts doing things. I thought that was great when, when it was happening. Take Andy Garcia out. Cause I thought that was kind of cheesy. The Tommy Bahama thing. Um, I, I thought I want to see her in more stuff. I know she does a lot of writing and she's very busy and she's very successful, but I want to see her in more movies. I think she's really talented and she's There's a lot of talented people in this movie. Yes. Yeah, and so Damon Wayne's juniors in it. And it's like, how yeah. small is that role? Yeah. Yeah. It's you crazy. Know. I feel like some of those, like you talked about the Morgan Freeman and the Andy Garcia, I think some of these are just driven by the fact they could get these people. Exactly. Like, why not put them in the movie? You know, um, I would definitely recommend this movie. I think it's like worth all the bad parts or the, yeah. the laughs are so big in the big parts to me that it's worth it. Um, yeah. I like simple things like they're the best friends in the world. They live together. But the minute they could go get a man. They lie to each other's faces so directly <laughs> and You went to a turtle's house? <laughs> like it's not yeah. a very healthy relationship with triangle either. I mean, the Edgar guy like threatens her. Like, 
if he does, if you don't love me back, I'm going to do this. That's like the worst trait you can put in a male figure in any story. Right. <laughs> you know, let's, let's teach would... people to be like toxic again. <laughs> uh, they're my age, the real life actresses. Yeah. And I think the characters, Barb and Star, is supposed to be around 49, right? Which is my age. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, should I be offended? This is making fun of middle-aged women. Um, it's pretty condescending. Or are they celebrating these middle-aged women? In the end, I'm like, screw it. They're celebrating these women who like what they like. If you like to buy an outfit from Costco and you think Mr. Peanuts is sexy, good for you. <laughs> screw everyone else. Yeah, and I don't think they're supposed to be representative of all middle-aged no. women, right? They're these no. very small town Midwest women yeah. with limited worldview and limited experiences and like what they like. I mean, they're, they're, they're not presented as idiots necessarily. I mean, a little bit, but not really, but not in the way, not in a condescending way. I don't know. They're good hearted and uh, genuine people, salt of the earth kind of ladies. And uh, you know, I like, I like the fact that they took these two people who are so comfortable in their space, in their life, afraid of change and they push them out there and they take a leap, whether it's intentional or not. I think that's that's the plot right there. And I think that's great. And so in the end, I was like, no, it's cool. I'm not offended. Yeah, good. I don't I'm think a middle age you... broad and, and I'm I'm I can be pretty cheesy, but I celebrate this movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, do we have anything else to say about this movie or should we get back to more interesting stuff? Yeah, let's talk uh, about booze more. So, Brad, <laughs> I think that um, Nick and I have talked about this on the podcast that um, being a really good bartender is is my dream job. If I didn't have to pay bills, if I didn't have to do what I have to do because I have, you know, decades of experience doing it, that's what I enjoy the most. It used to be cooking, but now I'm like, oh, no, I feel like when you hand someone a delicious cocktail the what you get back from their just joy is overwhelmingly it just makes you feel so good so how did yeah. you get into this did did you know you wanted to do this no 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 i worked in the music industry when i was young um and uh 9-11 happened and like most things uh the economy shook up the record industry was already toxic it got worse so uh, like like a lot of people in the music industry we all left it so i came home to portland and went back to college um and you know i got a for this degree i got a bachelor's degree in uh business um so i thought i was gonna go you know do something very different but while i'm in college like a lot of people i bartended um and it wasn't my favorite thing at first i, I thought you know like a lot of people i was just like well i like drinking I like talking to people. There's lots of cute girls around, you know, like it's that party kind of vibe when you start at it. And uh, hospitality is an interesting figure is that it's not for everybody. It'll, it'll chew you up and spit you out. Uh, Cause we get to see all sides of all human beings. I meet thousands of people every week, the good people and the not so good people. Yeah. And you see the same night you'll see somebody get engaged. You'll see somebody get broken up. That's an emotional roller coaster, and and we're navigating. We're hosting the party, you know, um, but there's that human interaction that eventually you get addicted to, and um, and having real, real, true experiences, knowing that, you know, there's people that are going to remember you the rest of your life, 
because you were the one hosting the party where they met their husband or where they found out that they're going to finally be parents, you know, um, like life changing moments happen inside restaurants. Cause like I said, this is where communities come together. Uh, whether it's a neighborhood pub, a hotel cocktail lounge or uh, a Hooters, if they still have those, do they still have those? I don't know. Not, not but here, like, but... you know, even in a cheesecake factory or, uh, uh, you know, uh, Denny's have bars in some States, I think, but like anything this is, we all can go together. Um, but there's not, there's a lot nowadays, especially, but there's a lot of similarities between the kitchen and, and being a bartender, you know, cause you're taking complex ingredients and creating, uh, something that you're going to consume and it, the more thought you put into it the more they might enjoy it um, and have this unique experience via this beverage um, the difference is the kitchen chooses to be what they call back of the house mm-hmm. a, a little bit away from the community happening in the front of the house so um, their job is harder in a lot of ways and our job is ha- harder in a lot of ways but there's a lot there's a lot of similarities to it. Um, that said, not everybody who, who bartends needs to um, be that craft cocktail bartender, right? Yeah. I think that 80, 80 year old woman who's been, you know, slinging drinks at the strip club for the last 50 years um, is oftentimes not just as talented, but sometimes often more talented than the one who's working at that Michelin star James Beard award winning cocktail lounge in New York City. Because she knows how to multitask better. She knows how to uh, de-escalate situations better. Um, she's got real community like relationships with people who come in. She knows their name. She knows what's going on in their life. She knows their kids' names, what their birthdays are. She creates real true relationships. That's you gotta remember is the entire industry isn't the food and beverage industry, it's the hospitality industry. That's just yeah. one section of it. Um, and so I think if your dream is to be a bartender, you know, I think that's a pretty cool dream because there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. And it's not just Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, no. That might be the perfect place too. Who knows? It's good money to be making. I'm glad you talked about the range too. And you mentioned it with Margarita Week because it's not just like high-end restaurants. It's like, what mood am I in today? Do I want to go up the street and have a drink at, you know, my local dive bar? Or do I want to go and get like a really good craft cocktail that's worth the 15 bucks I'm going to pay for it or whatever. And uh, do get that different experience and the different interaction with the people who are making those drinks and serving you those drinks. And, you know, two of my favorite bartenders in Portland, it's because I love them, not just because their drinks are top notch, but because I know they are so happy to give it to me and to watch me take that sip. Um, Pinkies makes such good Manhattans. Like it's it's really a whiskey bar, but Pinkies makes such great Manhattans. And every time I have one, I'm so happy or a whiskey sour. The Garrison in St. John's, there's a guy, Mike, there who takes so much pride in every single drink. And he's like, What mood are you in? And I'm like, I want something refreshing, but I want this. And he'll just put something in front of me. And I'm like, how did you know? And he's like, well, we spend all day coming up with new drinks before we open. And this is what we do. And I'm like, you're a genius. Yeah. I don't know if I could ever do that, but I, I so appreciate those skills. 
I, and I think that's that thing is if you get you really pay attention, you know, people come up to us all the time and they're like, make me something good. And, and no bartender likes that question because I don't know what you think is good unless we've had some interactions. Yeah. I've learned you a little bit. Um, you know, I, I always tell people use flavor adjectives when you meet a new bartender. Um, I want I want a sweet fruity drink. Cool. Um, but uh, I, I always tell people don't order a grilled cheese in a Chinese restaurant. Even if it's on the menu, that's why did you come here for that, right? <laughs> you, you said the Pinkies makes a great Manhattan. Well, they're a whiskey bar. Yep. You made the correct choice, you know? <laughs> uh, the Holy Ghost bar that's by your house, uh, Nick, you, you said you, you had their Royal Mouse Fizz. That's what they're known for. They make awesome, fun cocktails like that. Yeah, I could go in there and get a whiskey Coke, but why did I get a whiskey Coke at the cocktail bar? I should have gone to, um, you know, that dive bar you know and 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 just instead of like wanting to have a fancy cocktail in the wrong place i want to have a good experience in a neighborhood place mm -hmm. you know um some of them actually do i mean i think it's funny as some of the most um knowledgeable i think is the right term knowledgeable bartenders ones that have like that rolodex of ten thousand recipes that are some of the like award-winning ones some of those bartenders actually choose to uh move into the neighborhood pubs just because they really enjoy the community environment like yeah. you're talking about um i think it's a lot of fun brad i really appreciate it and you know we're social media friends as well as you know acquaintances in real yeah. life and i appreciate how like intellectually you approach all this stuff you know what i mean uh, it's just always really cool to see and and i that business degree you got is obviously paying off because you have a successful business now and you're running it and uh so Finally you know you never know it. how these things pay off yeah <laughs> you yeah, know you seem uh, to really you seem to really enjoy what you do there's a lot of passion i you know i i think if you do something for over 20 years it'd be really weird if you don't if you don't you know and, and that's the thing. There's a lot of people, you know, like you said, uh, you know, you're qualified to do this thing. So that must be what I have to do. But it's not entirely true, but it might be. It might be the right thing for you to do. It might not be. That's a conversation for you. But I know a lot of people that hate their jobs and they're like, I don't know what else to do with my life. I'm like something else. Mm -hmm. Just Yeah. You don't know until you try it. Right. I don't think yeah, enough of us yeah. take the risk. Here, here's my proposal. Yeah. Here's my proposal to you both. Uh, Angelica externs at at your bar Sirius celebrity night you know she's a local celebrity of sorts you know bring the people in donate the money to charity I'm just putting it out there just think about that you make your mm -hmm. signature yeah. cocktail Angelica whatever that <laughs> yeah. is yeah I have no what's idea. your signature cocktail Angelica I don't know I mean I spent years doing different Bloody Marys and like Bloody Caesars um I yeah. wish I wish more bars made like the Caesar with Clamato I do kind of a mm -hmm. mix of both. Um, but then I kind of got tired. I cut tired of drinking it myself. So I haven't made them in a while just because the salt was too much. It was just too much. Yeah. There's, um, there's some middle aged stuff right there. Too yeah. much sodium. Yes. Makes, yeah. it makes my feet hurt. Seriously. And then the whole Bloody Mary thing got so crazy everywhere. And there's like garnishes that are like the drinks. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with the Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah. We just put a Bloody Mary on our brunch menu and it's. Uh... So all of our food's from Colombia because our entire kitchen staff immigrated from Colombia specifically to open our restaurant, which is pretty freaking cool. Uh, but all of our cocktails are from everywhere else. Um, so um, I've got like cocktails from Finland and Jamaica and all this other stuff. It's fun. So we've got like an Asian inspired uh, Bloody Mary with uh, 
you know, seaweed and Ooh. Japanese seven spice and miso paste and all this stuff. It's super delicious in my opinion, but everybody's like, what are you going to garnish it with? You know, you're going to, you're going to have like, you know, everybody's got sliders and, you know, a bucket of bacon sitting on top and all that stuff. And that's, they're fun, but like, it's like a little too much. It's like, yeah, I, I literally, I just want I, the I good take, drink. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I made, I make a good drink in my opinion. There's not even salt on the rim. Yeah. It's, it's got enough salt in the, or, or umami in the, in the drink already. I literally just slice up some lotus root Ooh. and then deep fry it like a potato chip with a little bit of seasoning and just set it on top. Like walk away. That's all you need to do. Yeah. yeah. You know? I love it. I love it. I love it. I got to try that. It sounds Mary. refreshing. Where, uh, where, oh, go ahead. Sometimes the garnish is like, it's kind of like that sports car. It's like, what are you covering that up for? You know, like what, what are you hiding underneath the hood? Yep. <laughs> Where can people tell us about, tell us about uh, where people can try your bloody Mary and all the other great cocktails you're making. Uh, so uh, serious PDX is located on Northeast 15th and Prescott here in Portland, Oregon. We're open 4 PM to 10 PM for dinner every day, except for Monday. Thinking about going seven days a week, but I'm not promising anything right now. Uh, but Saturday and Sundays uh, we're open for brunch now. Um, and that's 10 AM to 3 PM every Saturday and Sunday. Um, and it's, it's been kind of fun. I, I hate, I'm not a morning person. After 20 years of bartending, waking up before noon is weird, but. Yeah, yeah that's tough. Like I used to work in restaurants when I was younger and uh, sleeping until 12 or one is nice. <laughs> what time do you wake up now, Angelica? Uh, 2.15 a.m. So yeah, nice. yeah, it's the TV life, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was talking to um, uh, one of uh one of the anchors on another channel, uh, we were doing an interview for Margarita week and, uh, she goes, I'm so sorry, um, to, to have you wake up so early to do this interview. And I said, well, I mean, I imagine I, I, I historically go to bed at 4am. So waking up at 4am is a little bit of a switch, but I'm sure that that's pretty normal to you. You must, uh, you know, you must be just starting your day also. And she goes, I started my day four hours ago, <laughs> you know? They're waking up at 2 a.m., yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'll tell you, you never I, get used to it. Anyone who says they no. do is lying. Mm. Your body yeah. cries forever on that shift. Yeah. Is that oh. moment that this, the tone of her laugh, <laughs> it's, like, it's almost maniacal. She goes, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Nick did it for a long time, too, so he knows. Yeah, yeah my yeah. shift in overnights was about 11 p.m. to 8 a.m., something like that, so it's hard. Um, yeah. but before we let you go, Brad, I wanted to talk real quick about the movie thing. Just so our mutual friend, Ian Southworth, helped direct and Monty Wolf wrote this movie called The Exploding Boy. And it's now going through festivals all over the West Coast and hopefully elsewhere soon. And you had a big role in it. Um, you kind of dipped your toes back in acting. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the movie? And Yeah, it's actually it's pretty cool. Um, it, I, I, I'm not going to say too much because it's still in the, the film festival circuit right now. Um, and, and I know that, uh, they like to keep things a little bit under the hood or, uh, kept, um, but I play the father of the, uh, main character. I'm not the best guy. Um, I think in his heart, he's just kind of hurt, um, uh, complicated, uh, marriage where the, the mother and father are, are, are really struggling. And I think the son does the same thing a lot of teenagers do when they see that the son kind of separates himself from the family quite a bit wants to do his own thing 
he's got this passion for um, storytelling, kind of like Jim Henson. Like he's got Jim Henson's, I think is his idol. And so he creates these puppets that kind of like uh, create his own little stories and his own friends. And it's kind of this uh, interesting story, uh, but he meets another young man and uh, they start falling for each other. Um, and I think the, the real story takes place is uh, between these two characters and, and they're true. Uh, these two young actors that uh, play, play the two mains are unbelievable. They, they, they just, it doesn't matter what else is going on in the movie. I'm lucky that I get to have my, my scenes. And I, I, I went to the uh, red carpet screening of the film and it's, it's always weird seeing yourself up on the screen. Um, it never, you never get used to it, but you get nervous. You're like, are people going to like this? Is, you know, like if everything felt good on set, but you're always like, you know, what are they going to do in editing? Uh, how's, how's my character going to look? Am I going to have those little moments uh, where I think I'm kind of funny? Is that, is that going to translate? And everybody cheered at the right time. Everybody laughed at the right time. Uh, at the end of the movie, they stood up and applauded. Nice. Uh, so I think, I think Ian and Monty did a fantastic job. So it was pretty cool to be a part of it. So if you're an independent film fan, uh, keep your eyes peeled. It is making its way out. It's called The Exploding Boy. You can also look it up online. I saw it as well. I thought it was really fun and funny. And like you said, it hit all the right notes when it needed to. So I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of cool to see. <laughs> I ad libbed a good. lot. Um, and and I, I always ad lib. You know, it's uh, you get the main idea um, and then try and make your emotions tell the story. And some people that works for us, some people it doesn't. But there's this one scene where uh, I'm in an argument uh, with with my wife and uh, I just start swearing and I thought they were going to cut it. <laughs> and, and, and that was funny. They, they didn't cut it. And it's actually it's like one of the best laughs in the movie. Nice. That's awesome. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, um, Brad. Brad, thanks for joining us. We've already taken you up for an hour here, so we'll let let you get going. I really appreciate it. Congrats on Margarita Week; it's a huge success, and I look forward to getting mine on Friday. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Same. Nice to meet you, Brad. Thanks so much. Great stories. Thank you. Uh, I'll talk to you guys again soon. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for having me. All right, mm -hmm. Nick. Next week we are um, we're watching The Razor's Edge. Oh, is that the Alec Baldwin one? Is that the no, one? No, Bill Murray. Oh, okay, cool. That's one where he got serious in the early 80s, right? Real serious. Yeah. So I think this is the one where he uh, decided he would do what Ghostbusters in order to be able to do the Razor's Edge. Okay. So um, it was kind of a flop, but um, it, and it's total 180 from Barb and Star uh, visit uh, Barb and Star. Why can't I get the name of this freaking movie right? It's too long, more than three or four words. And I'm just going to, it's, it's, it's different than Barb and Star. We're doing a 180 is what I'm trying to say. Um, so I I don't know. I have no idea if you're going to like it or not. But I've, I've heard of this movie. It's in the Rockies or something like that. It's a mountain based movie. Is that right? Uh, yeah, sort of. Um, yeah. And it'll it'll be it'll it'll be it'll be good to talk about this because I know that there's like a lot of um, there's a big backstory that went into producing this. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing it and um yeah, well, we'll see you next week. And uh, everybody, you know, Facebook, Twitter, other places, I don't know. Uh, thanks for listening. And Angelica, Yeah, get a margarita. That's right. Yeah, we got to we gotta get together and get a scorpion bowl margarita and, yeah, and take sure. it down. See what treasure is at the bottom. Film Swap is produced and hosted by Angelica Thornton and Nick Vole. You can watch or listen on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, 
Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow Angelica on Twitter at AngelicaKATU and follow Nick at Nick Vol. Share your thoughts on the films we discussed there and we might just read them on the show. Music by John Michael Farley and Nick Vole.